So if you follow me on Twitter, you know, I refer to myself as Conrad, the mortgage guy, and I actually used to program myself in my phone going back like, I don't know, 10 years. So whenever I would share my contact information with someone, I was easy to find in their phone. You know, it's easy to meet a person and then you sort of remember meeting them, but you don't correlate their name and what they do with their face. You know, does that make sense? So I just program myself in there as Conrad, the mortgage guy. And now that's what I call myself on Twitter. I believe in being easy to do business with, but don't take my word for it. Ask Steven up in Hobart, Indiana. He says, I had a great experience working with Derek was a breeze. He was always thorough and kept me in the loop to make sure I understood everything. It was very fast and helped me get a great rate. A big thank you to Derek and his entire team. Now, thank you, Steven, for the five-star review. The five-star reviews are piling up, man. If you want to save money, if you want to make this as painless and hassle-free as possible, you just got to try SaveWithConrad.com. That really is what my family wants to do, because Derek is my cousin, by the way. Let my family save your family some cash. You don't need perfect credit. You don't need money out of your pocket, but we will save you money. It's not a matter if, it's a matter of how much. SaveWithConrad.com. NMLS number 65084, Equal Housing Lender. Hurry to SaveWithConrad.com. Hey, this is your Olympic hero, Kurt Angle. Drop the chips, make physically fit protein snacks part of your daily gold medal routine. They're high in protein, made from 100% all-natural real chicken meat and organic plant protein. Air-baked, low in net carbs, and taste insanely delicious. Grab a bag today and enjoy curbing your hunger with a crispy crunch and intelligent real food protein snack. Now you and your family can reach the gold with Physically Fit. Now available in 11 great flavors. Visit physicallyfit.com. Oh, it's true. It's damn true. Conrad Thompson, and you're listening to the Kurt Angle Show. And of course, we couldn't do it without the man of the hour, the Hall of Famer himself, your Olympic hero, Mr. Kurt Angle. Kurt, how are you, man? Doing great. Thank you, Conrad. I appreciate it. Man, we're excited to be here. Of course, we got a ton of great feedback on part one of the Kurt Angle rookie year story. We're going to keep it going today. But you know, in order to be a wrestling machine, you've got to be physically fit. And the way to do that is to go to physicallyfit.com. And if you're like, well, everyone I know in Huntsville, you're wearing out some chicken snacks. It's a healthy alternative, a great way to get your protein. And it tastes great. Everybody at the office seems to think that uh, Buffalo wing and blue cheese is the favorite. I actually prefer the Sriracha. I think Kurt likes the Kung Pao the best. Uh, but I think the ladies in the office and even Mrs. Angle likes the cinnamon swirl, but you even yes. have a non chicken alternative, a plant-based protein version of this, right? Yes, we have an organic plant protein based uh, protein uh, that we use. It's called Snack Smart, S N X S M A R T. And uh, th- it's the same thing as chicken snacks, just a different kind of protein. It's plant protein. So we have both options for you. 
check it out right now over at physicallyfit.com. And what you'll want to do is click on where to buy. And here in Huntsville, I've got three options within driving distance, including one that's just 2.3 miles from my house. But I, like a lot of you still prefer to order stuff online. So if you go to the bottom and click order now online, you can go ahead and pick one of these up for just nine 99 and Kurt, you've got a special promo code they can use to save 20% off, right? Yes. 20, 20% off. If you use the code angle pod, so use that code and get 20% off. There you go. A N G L E P O D. That's all it is. 20% off. It's only nine 99 to start with. So you're going to get it for like eight bucks. Why wouldn't you do this? Try it. You'll be glad you did. It's physically fit.com. Uh, let's jump into it, man. Let's pick up right where we left off. Uh, we've sort of covered everything that happened in your rookie year, all the way up until that August 7th raw. And that's when things start to really boil over with you at triple H and Stephanie in a bit of a love triangle, triple H and Stephanie have an argument backstage. He's getting sick of the whole Kurt angle thing. He says he's upset with you for picking up Stephanie on SmackDown. He's also angry at you for asking to be the number one contender to commissioner Mick Foley. So Stephanie goes to see you and she tells you that Hunter's mad and you ask her, did he raise his voice at you? And when she looks down, that ticks you off and you tell her that she should, uh, or you tell her that he should be more sensitive. Basically you're bearing Stephanie or you're bearing triple H to his own girlfriend, Stephanie. This is very well done. It's a little soap opera esque, but I guess that's what wrestling is. But it shows you as good guy, Kurt, not necessarily this chicken shit heel that we had seen earlier in the year. What'd you think of this creative? Well, I think there was me being more conniving, you know, just trying to trick Stephanie into leaving triple H to come with me. So, <laughs> you know, even though I look like the good guy, I was actually being the bad guy and getting involved in their relationship. All in the same night, just Joe goes to both of your locker rooms and he's stirring up the shit. You meet in the ring and argue for a while. And then you end up in the main event. And by fluke, both of you pin Jericho at the same time. You're the number one contender on the go home SmackDown. Tensions are boiling over between you and Hunter. Uh, and, uh, after you accidentally hurt Stephanie in the main event, you go backstage while she's being tended to, and you kiss her. Talk me through this shoot. This had to feel, I don't know, a little fish out of water, right? Oh, this was ridiculously weird. I mean, you know, the come backstage with Stephanie and have to do a pre-tape that was going live. So we weren't going to tape it. It was going to be one take. I think Vince did that on purpose. So we only had to kiss once, but uh, I also don't know if we had the time to pre-tape it. So that was probably the real issue, but you know, we got backstage and, Vince wants to direct it. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> holy shit. Um, Vince McMahon, Stephanie McMahon's father is going to direct me kissing her yeah. while, uh, during a pre-tape. I was nervous as hell. Vince was four feet away and his eyes were this open. He's just looking. <laughs> I'm like, this is so weird, man. <laughs> you know, uh, I don't know how I'm going to do this. So I went down to kiss her. And we, we caught eyes and then we went to kiss and I stuck my lips out like this. So I, I, I didn't want to go with an open mouth because Vince was there and I didn't want to disrespect Triple H or Stephanie, but I kissed her like this. And uh, after the pre-tape, she goes, hey, you kiss like a fish. <laughs> I was like, well, what'd you expect, Stephanie? Your dad's here watching. He's directing and uh, you're dating Triple H. Like, what do you want me to do? 
Today, we're welcoming a new sponsor to the show, IP Vanish VPN. Here's a little bit about IP Vanish VPN. If you care about the security of your online activity, IP Vanish VPN is a quick and easy way to start protecting yourself. Rated 4.7 out of 5 stars on Trustpilot, IP Vanish provides an encrypted connection for all of your internet traffic, helping to prevent websites, Wi-Fi providers, and even hackers from intercepting your data. Help keep your financial details, personal information, and online activity safe from threats with IP Vanish. Get started with this limited time offer and save 50% off monthly and annual subscriptions. Visit ipvanish.com forward slash angle. That's ipvanish.com forward slash angle. And we thank IP Vanish VPN for sponsoring the Kurt Angle Show. And welcome aboard, guys. It's true. It's damn true. You're protected with ipvanish.com forward slash angle. Tremendous. You know, I think, uh, she's said that you kissed like a fish that day. And of course we've had, uh, Bruce Pritchard and Eric Bischoff both tell stories about producing skits where someone's kissing Linda or Stephanie. And I think Eric's actually kissed both and Bruce would jokingly <laughs> <a> say, <laughs> Bruce would jokingly say that Vince would always produce those. And of course he does his famous Bruce impression and he'd say, Oh yeah, really get in there. Uh, I don't know why Vince <laughs> finds this humorous, but he does, right? I guess so. I mean, Vince, Vince is an odd dude as it is. He's a good dude, but he's an odd dude. And he does some things that you don't expect, man. It's crazy. Let's talk about SummerSlam 2000. Again, another sellout. This time it's in Raleigh, North Carolina, August 27th. There's 17,000 fans in the building. Well over a million dollars at the gate. Uh, it's one of the highest gates in wrestling history at that time. It's the first million dollar gate for an event other than a WrestleMania. So this is a major, major moment. Uh, and the night begins with you cutting a promo saying you satisfied Stephanie more than triple H could. And that led you guys to brawling for more than three minutes before the match even started. Uh, Meltzer would say the brawl was supposed to end with triple H giving angle a pedigree on the Spanish announce table that would break and, uh, take angle out for the match at 15 minutes. All that did happen, except the table broke early and angle took a bad bump and was knocked for a loop angle was taken to the back and triple H and rock did their typical good match for 15 minutes. Meltzer wrote angles. Eyes were glazed after landing wrong. When the Spanish announcers table broke before triple H fully, fully executed the pedigree while most of the main points of the storyline continued angle was taken to the hospital after the show and held overnight for observation backstage after the match before going to the hospital. Angle was saying he couldn't remember anything that took place in the match after he hit his head on the floor when the table broke, causing him to land wrong. Let's just take a time out here. What do you remember about that? And is the report true that you really weren't remembering anything that happened right after? Well, to go back and explain that that was supposed to happen. I was supposed to pretend to get knocked out. I see. And I, I was going to be carted backstage and I was going to come back for Stephanie and help triple H try to beat the rock. Uh, she wanted me to help. So uh, that, that was the whole idea. The thing is it happened for real. I, I got knocked out. I mean, really knocked out. I, you know, when triple H went to hit the pedigree, he goes down, up, and down to time it. So you can time it when you hit and land on the ground. So when he went down, the table broke early. And he had my hands, arms trapped behind my back. That's how he locks it. Uh, 
So I landed four feet below straight with my head on the concrete mm. and I was out. Triple H was trying to get my attention. He said I was snoring. Wow. Like I was just out of it. So Triple H improvised, uh, tried to, you know, work on me and beat me up a little bit while, you know, um, while the rock was, I don't think the rock was out yet. Right. He wasn't right. out from the match yet. So rock came out and that's when they wheeled me back. And, um, you know, I was supposed to be wheeled back. We were supposed to do a pre-tape backstage. Stephanie says, Kurt, could you go back out there? You got to help me. Uh, and I had to say only for you, Steph, I'll do it for you. Problem is I got knocked out. And when I had to do the pre-tape, I, she, Stephanie would tell me what I had to say. And I would say, okay. And then 30 seconds later, I'd say, what am I saying again? I don't, yeah. I don't know what I'm saying. I couldn't compute what I was going to say. I couldn't remember. So it was, it was a complete nightmare. I don't remember any of it, but uh, the match came across really good. And, you know, the thing is, the outcome was Vince, you know, thought I hit a home run that day. I stepped up for the company and he said, I'm going to pay you back for this. And he did. Uh, there's a moment on the stretcher, I think where triple H was supposed to attack you, but when he gets there, he realizes, oh shit, he's still hurt for real. (laughs) So he doesn't do a ton. Uh, but eventually when you do get off the stretcher and hit the ring, uh, we really get going and rock retains the WWF title over both you and triple H. It goes 20 minutes and nine seconds, three and three quarter stars. Is this the first time you were seriously injured in a wrestling match, professional wrestling match? Yes. It's the first time I seriously got my bell rung. And, and the crazy thing was when, when Stephanie brought me out, uh, after I got injured, after I got knocked out, I came back out with Stephanie, she was assisting me. So she was going to tell me what to do, uh, before all up until I got into the ring. So she's like, walk with me, walk with me. And I'd say, well, what am I doing next? She said, just stand next to the ring. When, when, uh, rocks feet hit the rope, grab his foot and uh, trip him. And I would grab his foot and trip him. And Stephanie was expecting me to pull him out because that's what I was told to do before the match when we were playing the match earlier. But I, I was just remembering whatever she told me. So if she didn't tell me to do something, I wasn't going to do it. So I only tripped the rock. I didn't pull him out. And then she looked at me and said, pull him out. So I pulled him out. She looked at me again and said, throw him into the steps. I threw him in the steps. She looks at me and says, get in the damn ring. So I couldn't remember anything that I had to do. And she had to keep reminding me when I got in the ring, triple H took over and he was telling me what to do and, and how to do it. And, you know, there is even a point where uh, he was going to hit me with a, a hammer, a sledgehammer. And he reached up and grabbed my head because he knew I wasn't going to duck. And the rock was behind me. So he grabbed my head we went to hit me with it. He pulled my head down and hit the rock with it because that was, was supposed to happen. But I wasn't going to duck because I didn't know. Right. So like the whole match was like that. It was a freaking nightmare, especially for Triple H in the rock. They had to carry me that whole match. And I, I don't even remember anything. I remember going through the uh, table and hitting the floor. And now it's that's it. I don't remember any other part of the match. It really is pretty remarkable when you think about you know, can't you, do that today. No, I mean, <laughs> no. And, and, and I'm just thinking about it from your perspective. You're finally in the main event of a pay-per-view. So this is probably going to be, you know, I don't want you to tell us a number, but this is your biggest payday in wrestling, right? 
Yes, without a doubt. Yes. And you're unconscious for it. You don't remember what to do. It's like, hey, I hope it went well. What happened? Yeah. <laughs> Unbelievable. Yeah, it, it, it was the craziest thing, I, you know, but of course it happens to me. So I'm not surprised. <laughs> but in a weird way, we all know that Vince, uh, Vince is a tough guy and has respect for tough guys. I mean, and I know some people will say, Oh, Vince ain't a tough guy. Well, he fucking walked around on two broken or torn quads on pay-per-view. Yes, he so yes, he, he he's a badass in his own right. And so he has to, and not that anybody doubted any of that from you, but to know that you're going to take this just as seriously as you did the Olympics. And even when it's probably against better judgment and all conventional wisdom to continue the match, you did what needed to be done for the good of his business you probably had a feather in your cap for whatever was going to come with Vince in the future, right? Well, that, that that's why, you know, a couple months later I got held the, you know, handed the world title. Yeah. Uh, the WWE championship. And I, I believe it really occurred because of the SummerSlam match. I really do. I think that Vince might've wanted to hold off till after WrestleMania the following year to get me the title. But when he saw what I did and I stepped up, he said, let's give it to him now. So that's, that's how it, that's how it occurred. This is probably an uncomfortable conversation to have, but after an injury like that and a match like that, and you're going to go to the hospital, what does that look like? Does someone in the office take you? Do they call an ambulance? What's that process like that night after a big injury like this? And you need to go get checked out. Is anyone with you? Is anyone helping arrange anything? Or are you just flying solo here? Uh, we had a trainer named Chris and he would, he would go with us to the hospital. So he, he was with me and the paramedics are always there at the arena. So I had an ambulance there to take me. So, uh, you know, everything's right there for you to get you to the hospital and you, they're going to let, have a trainer go with you. Um, uh, no, nobody else came with me. So uh, I didn't expect anyone else to. No days off after the injury you're working on raw the very next night, although not in a match, but there is a huge argument in the ring with uh, you and triple H. He shoves you out of the ring and, um, you grab your head when you hit the floor, probably not the most advisable thing. I mean, I'm not a, a doctor, but you suffered a concussion that night, right? You had yeah. to. Yeah. So I, you know, I, I don't think I should have done anything physical the next night. Um, although the, it wasn't that much, you know, the spot that I did wasn't that hard to do. So, uh, you know, I'm not sure why I grabbed my head, maybe because Vince wanted me to pretend that the concussion was still affecting me, Yeah, but, um, I, I don't remember. Well, we should also mention too, that, cause if I could see how out of context, what we just said could be taken as a sort of shitting on WWE, but we didn't know what we know about head trauma back then that we know now, like back then people used to say things like, Oh, you got your bell rung, right? Kurt. Yeah. Yeah. There, there are phrases. You got your bell rung, you know, you got dinged. Yeah. Um, but you know, it's, it, it's very serious now, especially concussions. So you, you, if you have any inkling of a concussion, you're not going to be cleared to wrestle to do anything for a while. Yeah. So with, with a lot of fans online, sometimes saying, Oh, I miss, you know, the way things used to be. Safety of the performers. Well, this is, this is a great improvement from where it used to be. Right. Without a doubt. The, the whole, the whole drug, uh, program they have the concussion program, uh, how they have, uh, created, uh, more doctors coming to the arenas, trainers, uh, everything's available for you. So, you know, their, 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 uh, catering is, is excellent. Five-star catering. Now, uh, back when I started, you got pizza, you know, so, uh, <laughs> 
it's it, there are a lot of different things. Everything's available to the talent, and this is the best that this company has ever uh, been able to produce for the talent. There you go. It can be a little frustrating, especially if you're in a hurry or running late to find yourself at a railway crossing waiting for a train. And if the signals are going and the train's not even there yet, you may feel a bit tempted to try and sneak across the tracks. Well, don't ever to the naked eye. Trains often appear to be further away and moving slower than they are. And they can't stop quickly. And even if the engineer hits the emergency brakes right away, it can take a train over a mile to stop over a mile to stop by that time. It's too late. And the result is a potential deadly crash. The point is you can't know how quickly the train will arrive. The train can't stop quickly. And even if it sees you, it ends in disaster. If the signals are on, the train is on its way and you just need to remember one thing. Stop. Trains can't paid for by NHTSA. On August 24th on SmackDown, someone reports to triple H or someone reports triple H to the police for spousal abuse. And then he's taken into questioning. And of course you're the prime suspect as to who ratted him out, but it wasn't you. Uh, Foley makes Stephanie, your partner for the night and the main event against the rock and Lita who won, by the way, the idea is Foley has made, has decided to make a tense situation even worse. He's playing both sides against the middle here. And uh, we get some really fun segments with him. Like when he's talking to you from behind a desk and uh, the camera pans over to show his desk is on a motorized cart that drives off. How great was Mick Foley in his commissioner role? He was awesome. He had a great personality. He's, he's one of the funniest guys I've ever met. And you know, he always produced, always came up with great material. A lot of the stuff he came up with, was on his own. He, he would come up with his own creative stuff and he was really good at that. He did extremely well with it. There are after that, we find out that test called the cops to get triple H back for stealing Stephanie one year prior. And it starts to get a little more convoluted from here. On August 29th, you're working with Eddie Guerrero in the main event on SmackDown. It airs two days later on the 31st, and Stephanie is your manager here. Of course, Triple H gets involved, but through the beginning of your first title reign, you're working with Stephanie as your manager. Uh, how was it working with Stephanie as your manager? Of course, she probably earned her stripes that night at SummerSlam saying, get your ass in the ring. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But how was she here? Uh, you know, Stephanie was great to work with. She never missed a spot during a match. Uh, her promo skills were really good. Um, the only, the reason that I didn't feel comfortable with her as my manager is because she was engaged to Triple H and, you know, it just didn't feel right. But, you know, other than that, Tr Stephanie was a great manager. She was awesome. On the September 4th Raw, you're in a triple threat match with Eddie Guerrero and the Intercontinental Champion, China. She does a good job here and uh, you hit a really snug clothesline and the crowd reacts almost with a, an audible gasp. Like they didn't want to see that, but the announcers even defend you a little bit. And then she hits a snug clothesline on you. Eventually though, you hit her with the belt and knock her out. Eddie accidentally pins her and wins the title. It's one of the more unique major title changes in history. Um, how would you describe this match? What do you remember about this? I, you know, Eddie stole the show with that one. I mean, when he covered China and uh, was holding her like, you know, she was hurt because 
uh, hit her with the title, he was holding her. And when the red ref counted three and Eddie's head popped up like, oh, shit, I just pinned her. He didn't know he pinned her. It was it was just a great way to switch the title. I mean, it was really creative. And it seemed like Eddie didn't really try to do it. And that he was just trying to protect China. And uh, he ended up being the Intercontinental Champion because of it. It was hilarious. Let's talk a little bit about, um, the raw that happened on September 18th. It's the last raw that's going to air on the USA network until Oh five. And they're in Chicago and the show opens with Stephanie cutting a promo asking if Mick Foley can cancel the triple H Kurt angle match scheduled for unforgiven, but you appear and say the match has to happen. And you show a video montage of the times that triple H has accidentally hit Stephanie triple H comes out and alludes that. You might be gay since you just wanted to be Stephanie's friend and triple H shows a clip of you at the 96 Olympics. And first it's a shot of your opponent's head and your crotch. And then a <laughs> shot of you crying after winning the Olympic gold medal and triple H is encouraging you to come out of the closet on, on SmackDown before the pay-per-view, you hit him in the ribs with a sledgehammer to get some sort of revenge. But this segment, while it may have been entertaining at the time, boy, this wouldn't fly in 2021. Would it? No, no, not the gay comment. No way. <laughs> this this was not going to happen. Not, not now. Uh, but, you know, we, we had a lot more freedom to express ourselves differently and, you know, to, to say things that were offensive that wouldn't fly right now. And, uh, you know, I, I kind of liked it, but I, you know, at the same time, I, I understand why things have changed. I just, uh, I just think that it was a lot easier in the time in the business back then to be able to do this. Uh, and now you don't have a lot of choices. Yeah. It's a different time. Society's yeah. changed. Let's talk about unforgiven 2000 It's September 24th. We're in Philadelphia. The show sold out in two hours. Now we've got 18,000 fans in the building, $822,000 gate. The business is just white hot. And the semi main event is triple H versus you with Mick Foley as the special guest referee. We're about nine months worth of build here. And I guess this is a little unusual because technically it's a heel versus heel match. Did you find that style of not heel versus babyface, but heel versus heel? Is that harder than heel versus babyface, or is it easier than babyface versus babyface, or both? I think heel versus heel is the toughest one uh, because uh, the fans are not going to cheer either one of you. And you know when you're when you have a double babyface match, the fans are going to choose which side they want to cheer. When you're a heel versus heel, they don't want to cheer for either of you. So it's it's a lot harder to do. the The, the arena is going to be a lot more quiet than it usually is. And even though Triple H was a big name in the business, he was creating a lot of heat with Stephanie and I was creating a lot of heat by trying to tear up their, their relationship. So um, yeah, the, th this was a really tough match to do. And I understand why uh, the fans didn't respond the way they, they were, were, were expected to because we were both heels. The match goes 17 minutes and 26 seconds. It's a no DQ match. It gets three and a quarter stars from the observer. Uh, Meltzer would say, uh, angle got a near fall with a belly to belly suplex. It was scary, quiet considering who it was and how good it was. Angle missed a moonsault. Triple H did a one arm pedigree, still selling the left arm. Stephanie was called in by triple H to make a choice. And she kicked angle low triple H then delivered a pedigree for the pin. And Stephanie acted like she felt guilty about what she did. 
and triple H quote unquote, forced a kiss on her while he was all bloody. And she acted repulsed a lot to unpack here. Did you think this was the right way to unwind this storyline? No, because they didn't go any further with it. It was, you know, it kind of died down after that. So, you know, him, you know, getting friction with Stephanie would have pissed me off even more. And I would have uh, interjected even more. And uh, by then I I wasn't, you know, the story kind of died off after that. So I'm not sure why they ended it like they did. But I think what happened was Austin was returning. Uh, He needed an opponent. And Triple H was available because Vince wanted me to wrestle The Rock the next month. So I think that they had to end the storyline abruptly and go with Triple H and Stone Cold eventually. So uh, I don't I don't know any other reason because that the storyline could have continued when he when he repulsed Stephanie by kissing her with all bloody and forced himself on her. That was just a another storyline to continue it, to continue the program. And uh, we didn't do that. So I, I, I would imagine it's because I was going to become world. I think it was a last second decision that Vince wanted me to be world champion and he wanted Hunter to go off with a program with Stone Cold. So I don't know any other reason than that. Okay. Let's just be honest with each other. If you're listening to this, there's a 98% chance you're a dude. And there's also a pretty good chance if you go to your significant other and you say, honey, I think we should refinance with this wrestling podcast guy. She's going to look at you like, huh? And I get that. But let me just put a little bug in your ear. Cruise on over and check out the reviews for us. Here's what people are saying. Christina in Lancaster, Ohio gave us a five-star review. She says the team was extremely responsive, knowledgeable, helpful with all our questions and time. The process was very quick and simple. And we were shocked at how easily everything came together. Thank you for that review, Christina. Here's what Brian in Moorhead, Minnesota said. If you want to refinance, choose these guys. They walked me through every step and they were great to work with. Here's what Lewis said in Kalamazoo, Michigan. Great communication, very friendly and knowledgeable staff. Here's what Lauren said in Monroe, Connecticut. Conrad made the process easy and was a pleasure to work with. Here's what Bailey said in Maryville, Tennessee. I was looking to refinance for my mortgage. First family made it easy and efficient. I got a great rate and I was very pleased with the outcome. What about Jeffrey in Michigan? He gave us a five-star review and he wrote, everyone was helpful and patient with some of our local lenders, not wanting to help find the missing documents. I get it. It's a wrestling podcast, but he's saving us money on our mortgage. You really trust this process. The reviews don't lie. Five-star review after five-star review. We make it fast. We make it easy. And it's no cost or obligation. Give us a shot to earn your business. I'm telling you, you'll be glad you did, especially if you like keeping more of your own money. You don't need perfect credit or money out of your pocket. So what are you waiting for? Hurry to savewithconrad.com. NLS number 65084, Equal Housing Lender. Get yourself a quick quote right now. Interest rates are on the rise, and you don't want to miss it. Waiting will only cost you money. Hurry. Save with Conrad.com. There's a famous story out there and it might be bullshit as with a lot of things in wrestling, it becomes telephone, telegram, telewrestler, but there is a famous story that once upon a time in a creative meeting, um, apparently according to the legend, triple H spoke up and said something like he wanted this angle done because a guy like me referencing triple H would not lose a girl to a guy like him saying the quote unquote dweeb Kurt angle character. 
And I think some of the folks were sort of taken back aback by that. Like what the fuck it's wrestling. Who cares? Uh, <laughs> yeah. But also too, you bring up a great point that perhaps he just thought, uh, and in this, in these, in this era, especially you're paid based on where you are on the card. And if you're in the main event and pay-per-view bonuses and whatnot. So if he thinks triple H has a shot to wrestle Steve Austin, well, that's going to be more money than triple H wrestling Kurt angle, right? Without a doubt. Yeah. So maybe he thought of it from a business perspective, but I really don't know. I wasn't in the meeting and I don't know what triple H had said or didn't say, uh, I wouldn't be surprised either way, but you know, that's, you know, that's not my choice. Had you heard that before I just said it, or did I just introduce it to you for the first time? No, it was relatively new to me. I I'd never heard that before. So I'm actually surprised, but again, I'm not surprised. I, 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 you know, I, I understand why Hunter didn't want the program to continue. I, you know, it's, it's kind of hard to have a, another wrestler kissing your girlfriend or fiance, sure. or, you know, rubbing up against her and stuff. It's, it, it can get a little offensive. So I understand if he had problems with it, but I, he never told me he did. He never showed that he did. So I don't know. Well, supposedly someone in the room uh, would go on a little tour when they did interviews and whatnot, and they would say, Oh, well, a guy like that can't beat you. Why don't y'all try for real? So people were advocating for you. Uh, Meltzer would write of this. If it hadn't come in with such much hype and come in with so little crowd reaction and such a weak finish in some ways, it was actually a flop given the lack of heat after nine months of building. And perhaps the lack of heat was the way he's been booked. He's been a great undercard chicken shit heel, but not for a guy to be put in a position to have an impact on top or to use a tired phrase, but that is applicable in a main event condition or main event position. Easy for me to say to draw money. So I think angle, uh, the, the character and, and the, the way we had developed it this year, Meltzer saying, maybe he didn't need to be in this spot anyway. Uh, but considering you had one King of the ring, you had won the European title, you had won the intercontinental title and you started the year with an undefeated streak. I don't know if I necessarily agree with that. Uh, what do you think of Meltzer's assessment? I don't agree with it either. I, I think that Vince wanted me to be more of a whining heel, a selling heel, a heel that bumped and fed and got his ass kicked and cheated to win. And I wasn't a dominating heel by any means. So uh, I didn't win a lot of matches, but I won the important ones. And that, that that's what I wanted to stress on yeah. this was, you know, when you win the big ones, that that shows you're 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 a winner, and you know, uh, you know, doing jobs here and there because they wanted to enhance the other talent. I get it. So I think that the whole reason why they did it is because I didn't complain about it. Right. I was willing to do whatever I had to do to make the product better. And that's you know, Vince looked at me and said, "This kid's a team player. Right. I want this guy with me forever." And you know, I I don't blame him for that. By the way, we, we get to prove Dave Meltzer wrong the next week or Vince does, uh, because on the December <laughs> or the September 28th edition of SmackDown, you team with Benoit and y'all defeat the rock and triple H in a tag match. That's rarefied air on October 2nd. Uh, Benoit is going to help you defeat triple H to become the number one contender for the title shot at no mercy. And because of that, rather than triple H being in a feud with you, now he's in a feud with Benoit. So to your point, I think there was still legs to this thing. They could have kept it going. But now you've got a shot against the rock for the world title. And you said in your book, you were stunned when the rock told you a few days ahead of time that you'd be winning the title. 
How far in advance of this pay-per-view did you know you're going to get the big belt? The rock told me five days before at a, at a SmackDown. And I, I was, you know, I didn't think I wasn't expecting that because the last four months, you know, last four pay-per-views I did, I lost, I lost four straight pay-per-views and uh, didn't see any wins uh, coming in the near future. So uh, it was, it was really surprising to know that I was going to be world champion after I just did four jobs at four different pay-per-views. And, but they were all enhancement matches. They were all with big names. I was affiliated with those big names. So it kept me in the limelight to some degree, even though I wasn't a dominating heel, I was getting beat. But at the same time, you know, the rock made me world champion. I mean, that guy, this match that we had was so important to me and he didn't have any problem with doing the job. I, I really enjoyed working with him and he was awesome. He's very giving. Let's talk about the build to get to that match on the October 9th raw is war. You're working with Kane as your tag partner against the rock and Rikishi Kane turns on you and Rikishi picks up the pin on you with his bonsai drop after you're hit with a rock bottom. But this is the night where Mick Foley exposes Rikishi as the man who ran over stone cold the prior year. Uh, a few days later on SmackDown, we see triple H tell Stephanie that she can't accompany him to ringside anymore. No matter what, of course, she comes to the ring and announces that she will permanently be in your corner. And this is just 10 days before your match against the rock at no mercy later that night on SmackDown, you and quote unquote, Steph are trying to put Val Venus up to defeat defeating the rock for the title. So we can have a wholesome main event at no mercy. Of course he doesn't. Uh, but you and Stephanie leave him laying in the ring after a beatdown on the raw before no mercy. So the go home raw, Stephanie makes you a promise. You'll be the next WWF champion. Uh, and then she says that the WWF gold is a hell of a lot more prestigious than Olympic gold. I don't know about that. Uh, and then <laughs> tri triple H interrupts you and Stephanie gets all up in your face. And he says that she is your responsibility. And if you try to make anything but business, it'll be the last thing you ever do. You tell him it's just business. And then when he leaves, you smirk very big. So it still feels like even though maybe this feud is put to bed, there's still a little bit of a tease here. Uh, and when she introduces you that night, she announces you as the host of Sunday's episode of heat on MTV. As a reminder, at this point, the company had just moved to TNN and MTV. And she says that you'll have a special interview with the rock. And it's one of the funniest segments of your career. It's an edited interview of you incriminating the rock. You ask questions and then the footage is edited with different clips of the rock, admitting that he was stone cold's attacker. He takes a drink of water and you say, sure, rock drink up. Uh, and then there's a fly that buzzes around ahead, and you say something like, we all know what flies are attracted to <laughs> really classic stuff. Whose idea was this? Is this Brian again? Yes, it was Brian. And he, he took a bunch of previous interviews that the rock did and uh, his responses and he put it together in a tape and then he had me memorize questions to ask that would match the answers that he would uh, the rock would give uh, so it was genius he he put it together he structured it perfectly well the edit team did a tremendous job and the product ended up being exceptional Back again this week to say that now is the time to make the jump and become a part of the ad-free shows community. We've talked about podcasts on video, live interactive experiences, 
bonus content like the mailbag shows with Mike Chioda and Gerald Briscoe and so much more. But ad-free shows is the only place you can find the exclusive series Conversations with Conrad. The recently released part two of the Jim Crockett conversation is both powerful and insightful as we hear the thoughts from one of the true pioneers in professional wrestling. Is there anything you want to share with our audience today? Sort of final words. Well, if I if if I've given you any pleasure in life, I'm glad. Cherish the the ones around you. That's what's important. Absolutely. This interview would be Jim Crockett's most in-depth and sadly the final recorded conversation before his passing. It's can't miss and cements his legacy as both a wrestling promoter and a loving family man. So make the decision. Become a member of ad-free shows and enjoy this and so many other exclusive shows and events over at adfreeshows.com. It's finally your big night. It's No Mercy 2000, uh, and I'm sure we'll cover that in long form someday. But it's October 22nd. We've got to sell out 14,000 fans on hand. Another big gate, nearly $700,000 there. The show's been built around the return of Stone Cold Steve Austin, but the main event is Kurt Angle versus The Rock. It's announced as a DQ match, uh, but Meltzer would say, which was because they were going to do tons of outside interference and put it over like Stephanie outthought everyone again. Uh, the match is something special, though. It gets four and a quarter stars. Looking back at that match, is this one of your best matches in wrestling so far, do you think? Yeah, it was definitely one of my best matches. Uh, and I got a lot more aggressive in this match. I had more offense. So I was starting to uh, be more offensive and and uh, doing what I had to do to look like a champion. And Vince McMahon told me, when you're the WWF champion, you, you have to look and act like a champion. And you have to present yourself as a champion. So I had to get more aggressive. And this, this was the, the reason for me to do that. You wrote in your book that you got a great uh, compliment from one of the WWE's talent managers. I guess we'd call him a producer or an agent, uh, but you wrote quote, sometimes he goes out and sits in the audience to gauge the reaction of the fans because that can dictate the direction of our storylines. He was out there that night and he told me afterwards, he couldn't believe how much buzz there was in the crowd as we were throwing in the ring. Um, who was that person? Do you recall? Oh, that was Pat Patterson. That's cool. <laughs> Especially if it was The Rock and me in the ring, Pat was definitely watching it in the stands. So he used to do that quite a bit. He would go out and try to get a feel for the match and uh, see if his his ideas would work in the matches. So Pat was one of the best agents we ever had, and uh, he was very talented. Came up with some great ideas and concepts. Meltzer talks about you mimicking your uh, – sort of response from the 96 Olympics, uh, when you're clutching the WWF title belt and on your knees, crying quote, what was also interesting is that even though angle hasn't gotten cheered anywhere, except recently in his hometown of Pittsburgh and the rock is the most popular wrestler in the business. When angle won the title, the crowd came to its feet and he received about a good response from 70% of the fans, which isn't necessarily a bad sign because it says the belt is over. And it hasn't been changed too often because they really care about seeing the change. And they were cheering because they felt like they'd seen something important happen live, which was more important than their favorite actually winning the match. 
take us back to that day when you win the belt, you're recreating your old 96 Olympic celebration, but you've acknowledged that you did that for a lot of your early matches. Was this that big of a deal to you? How would you compare this? I mean, obviously it's not winning the Olympics, but is this the biggest accomplishment outside of winning the Olympics so far in your career? Yes, without a doubt. Uh, winning the WWF title was, um, huge for me, especially in my first year. I never expected to be a champion in my first year and, uh, to beat the rock. I mean, one of the biggest names in the business that was spectacular. And I, I knew that my future was very bright. You mentioned in your book that when you won the world title, you had a security guard assigned to you by the company. What was that like? How long did you have security and why was that? Did they think you had heat or just to avoid any sort of shenanigans with their top guy? Uh, I think it was to create heat, uh, to show that, the I didn't want to be near the fans. If you know, the security guard would take me out to the parking lot and wouldn't let any fans get near me. And so it was more to create heat than anything else. That was it. After you win the world title like this, do you have, um, What's the response like? You go back through the curtain, you're in Gorilla, you see Vince. Is it a standing ovation? Does he give you a hug? Does anything different happen that night than any other night? Well, he stood up, he hugged me, and he said, you did it. I'm proud of you. And uh, that meant the world to me because I've always looked up to Vince as a father figure. And, uh, you know, to have a a, a four-star match with The Rock was a dream come true. This This was the perfect dream come true to win the world title against one of the biggest names in the business and to be a world champion for the first time. When you win a match like this and you become the top guy, we've heard over the years, and maybe this was a generation before, but I'm curious if it happened here. Do you start communicating with Vince on a more regular basis? We heard in the eighties and early nineties, you know, when, when Vince put the belt on you, you guys became tied at the hip. You would talk multiple times a day. And, uh, he, he sort of looked at you as his brand ambassador for the whole company. Was that still the case here? Without a doubt, Vince connects with the guys that are making him the most money. And when you're the top guy, the world champion, you get access to his phone number (laughs) and you can call whenever you want. He will answer and he will call you whenever he wants and you have to answer. (laughs) So (laughs) it goes both ways. But yeah, once once you get to that level, um, you know, you're involved with Vince and uh, that's when you build a great relationship. So I'm not saying this to be funny, but prior to winning the world title, you didn't have his phone number, but once you became champion, you did pretty much. Wow. Wow. That's pretty remarkable. When you think about it, talk to me a little bit about, you know, sort of the time honored tradition of wrestling. When a guy like the rock quote unquote, puts you over, he drops the title to you. Do you go to his locker room afterwards and thank him for the match? Is there an exchange at all? Or is it just another day at the office? No, you, you definitely have to thank him, uh, especially a, a guy like The Rock. I mean, he, you know, he could have went to Vince and said, I don't want to drop a tangle. Right. And Vince would have said, okay. But The Rock was a team player and he believed in me. And, uh, you know, I wrestled him a few different times that year and we always had great chemistry. So he was expecting a four or five star match. And uh, he gave me the opportunity and I, I can't thank him enough. So here we are one year after your vignettes first start to air in the company. Now you've beaten the rock. You're the world champion. The next night on raw, there's a big celebration. There's confetti, the whole deal. (laughs) Stephanie arrives in a limousine alongside you. You cut a promo boasting about your accomplishments. Uh, you talk about becoming European champion. 
And, uh, you said you were the first one besides D'Lo Brown, but D'Lo doesn't count anyway. Which <laughs> you're is, a continental champion. Yeah. 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 It's tremendous. But D'Lo Brown doesn't count. <laughs> Such a great line. Yeah. Uh, and you continue your feud with triple H on the way to the next pay-per-view event. Uh, but on November 6th, raw Hunter reveals that he was the person behind Austin's hit and run. And that's pretty much the death of the, the love triangle story. He gets right into that feud with uh, Steve Austin for survivor series on uh, November 9th. Uh, it would be revealed on SmackDown that, um, you were right all along about what you said about triple H and you're, uh, you're the, everyone's Olympic hero and the public needs someone to look up to and out comes the undertaker. And Cole mentions that he's the number one contender for your title and, uh, take your ass where you're standing. And he says, you're in my yard and here we go. Survivor series, 2000 Tampa, November 19th, got another incredible gate, another sellout, nearly 800 grand. There's over 16,000 fans there. And, uh, you're going to be taking on the undertaker here. Meltzer gave it two and three quarter stars. He would say the win was necessary to establish angle who hadn't scored many pins over top flight contenders since winning the title. It was also a much better match than Undertaker and Angle had at their previous pay-per-view meeting, showing just how much in a few months that Angle has improved in becoming one of the premier all-around performers in the world. Uh, it's a big deal that you get a title shot or a title defense against the Undertaker and you pick up a win. But what do you think his of his assessment that you had evolved as a performer in just a handful of months? Is that accurate or is it more of you just didn't click the first time or that's not what the creative called for? I don't think it's what the creative called for. They wanted a squash match the first time. Right. And it, I was just going to get a rub from the undertaker, but this time I knew I wasn't going to lose this match because I just won the world title. There was no way that I was going to lose the world title in a month. So I knew that, uh, you know, my match with the undertaker was going to be a lot more aggressive. I was going to get more offense in, um, I'd be more formidable as an opponent. And, uh, I, you know, we came up with a great idea to help protect the undertaker because, you know, with the undertaker, you got to protect him regardless. Uh, every match he has, you never beat him straight up. You know, there's always something going on and, and, and rightfully so. I mean, with a character like him as dominating as he is and, you know, his eerie way about him, uh, you know, you just want to make sure he's protected all the time. Were you, um, understanding that you're not in the last card on the night. I mean, it's a co-main event stone cold's back. So stone cold murdering triple H has to be last, but you are the world champion. Do you take that as a slight or do you get it since Steve Austin's sort of the biggest star in the business? I got it. Uh, you know, especially, uh, you know, I I've only been in the company one year at that particular time. So right. I was relatively still new and Austin was the man. He was just, he, he's the whole reason I got involved in the business. That's, that's who I was watching in 1998. And, uh, he made a big impact on my career. And so I didn't mind if Austin took the main event. I, I totally understood. Let's talk about your match with undertaker here. There's a moment where Eric Angle is pulled from under the ring, takes a last ride power bomb from Undertaker. You come from the other side of the ring and win the match. Pretty creative. Who would have come up with that finish? 
the writers, uh, Brian Gewertz and the writers, they, they decided, you know, my brother Eric looks exactly like me. So they knew they wanted to use Eric for a switch. They just didn't know when. Right. And this match came to be, and they said, hey, let's contact your brother. Let's get him here. We're going to make him an outfit that looks just like yours. We're going to make sure his head uh, or, you know, his hair looks like yours and everything. And, uh, you know, so we we got Eric ready, and all he had to do was take the last ride, which is the hardest part of it. <laughs> you know, my brother always took the bumps for me. The <laughs> F5s with Brock, the last ride with Undertaker. Poor kids getting beat beat up more than I did in the business. He's only made a few appearances, but he looked exactly like me, and um, so it worked out extremely well. There, you know, and, and everybody got it in the arena. They they knew that the switch was on. So let's recap. In 1999 at Survivor Series, you're wrestling Sean Stasiak at the Survivor Series. Yeah. A year later, you're successfully defending the WWF Championship against the freaking Undertaker. Mind-boggling, uh, <laughs> Mind yes. Along the way, European Championship, Intercontinental Championship, both at the same time, King of the Ring, and he beat The Rock for the world title. This had to exceed all expectations. We didn't really talk about that when we talked about you first joining the company. Did you have that? What were, what were your expectations coming into the company? Was it simply, Hey, I want to get to be an athlete and make a bunch of money. Or did you have goals in wrestling? Cause it feels like if you did, you probably checked most of the boxes in the first 12 months. Oh, without a doubt. Um, I was more. Uh, walking in with my eyes and ears open and, and, and not, uh, I, I wanted myself to be a little bit vulnerable where I, I didn't know what was going to happen. Uh, I didn't have set goals, uh, that were set up that I knew that I wanted to accomplish. I wanted to give myself time to get better and time to improve. So I wasn't expecting all that success in the first year, but I'm, I'm not surprised I did it because I, I became a great listener. I, I let the guys lead me. I learned on the fly. I did what I had to do. And I, I was a great listener, which eventually made me a great leader. And I, I just did whatever I was told. And, you know, a, a lot of people don't want to do what they're told. They always want to do the opposite. But I, I just, I trusted in Vince and I knew he would make the right decisions. You, you don't put an Olympic gold medalist in the company and, and make him job out left and right. You're going to have plans for that Olympic gold medalist, whether he's a dominating wrestler or not a dominating wrestler. But, you know, when you have someone with the talent I had and the ability to be funny and entertaining and draw heat and get be loved by the fans, every facet of the business, you know you're going to be utilized. So I'm not surprised I had a success that I had my first year, but I am surprised. Let's talk a little bit about, we talked a lot about the success. Let's talk about some of the challenges because before this, certainly you had traveled, but the WWE schedule, that's really the roughest thing of being a WWE superstar, right? Yes. The schedule is the toughest. You know, when you're doing 300 dates a year, uh, 
it can be quite brutal on you mentally, physically, and spiritually. I mean, it's, it's a tough grind. And I think that was the hardest part. The second hardest was the psychology, learning how to structure the, you know, the match and put the false finishes in the right place and uh, put the finishes in the right place and make sure you make the match very intriguing. Um, those two are the toughest things. Also, being accepted by the boys. You want to make sure that you make the right moves and you don't create any heat for yourself. Self. So there's a lot of work that goes into being a pro wrestler. There are many different facets. Just wanted to take a second to tell you about all the great Angle Pod merch over at boxagimmicks.com. It's the official store of the Kurt Angle Show and all of ad free shows. Boxagimmicks.com is where you can find Kurt Angle Show mugs, shirts, hoodies, and more. So if you're looking to show off your love of the Kurt Angle Show, head on over to boxagimmicks.com. One of the weird things I've always been fascinated with is like this, um, this weird brotherhood, like there's this political landscape to wrestling, uh, but also an understanding where everybody sort of takes care of one and either, uh, one of a, one or another, easy for me to say physically, but politically, uh, it can, it can become interesting. Do you remember any moments that were frustrating in your, in your first year, or maybe teachable moments, things you learned in that first year, besides of course, the Bob Holly thing, which we addressed. No, I, you know, I, I learned that there were politics and, and I I've seen them occur, but never to me directly. So I, I didn't get involved in them. Uh, I don't want to mention any names sure. because that's not who I am and what I'm about, but there were politics and there are people pulling for themselves which I get, I understand. I, everybody's going to pull for themselves to be the top guy. Everybody wants to be the top guy or girl. So uh, I understand that. So, you know, it's just something that you have to accept in the business. Do you remember there being any uh, ribs or hazing moments you want to share with us? Maybe that are funny or just sort of brutal, but everybody's patched up and nobody cares now. Oh, you know, I, I don't remember any serious ribs. Um, you know, I, I do remember when, uh, Mark Henry ate that sandwich <laughs> <laughs> that, that I didn't believe it. I thought it was all bullshit. I, I didn't know that, you know, um, what, what were their names? Um, uh, the, um, the headbangers. Yeah. They, they, I guess, uh, they got Mark a sandwich and they, they crapped in it. <laughs> I guess they uh, put it back in the wrapper, and and I, I don't know if it's true or not, but Mark Henry actually ate it. Uh, uh, I, uh. I don't know if you heard that, Conrad, but uh, that that was pretty brutal. When uh, I was around during that time, and uh, you know, when I heard about that, I thought that's that's the grossest thing I ever heard. You got to be a real idiot to do that to someone, <laughs> you know. What about, uh, what about JBL? Any interesting stories where he felt like he had to acclimate you to being one of the boys? JBL just, he verbally ribbed everybody. He sure. Didn't, he didn't do a lot of ribs, um, but he was very vocal and, uh, you know, he, he, he was a, he was a bit of a bully. I mean, he, 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 he's not, he's, he's really, he's harmless. He, he doesn't mean to be offensive. He just has that personality where, you know, he needs to rib someone or pick on someone about something. And, um, you know, he was entertaining though. I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't really a bad thing. It was actually a good thing that he did. It, it made, it made our days on the road a lot more entertaining that he was ribbing people. 
I've had it described to me over the years that he was just like a locker room ball buster that you would find in a lot of locker rooms. There's just one guy who just wants to bust balls, right? He's the one guy that's going to bust everybody's balls. Yes. (laughs) What about, uh, your favorite agent through this era? Was it always Pat Patterson, even in your first year, or did you enjoy working with some other agents as well? Uh, Pat Patterson was my favorite agent. I did work with a lot of different agents, but, uh, Pat was the best. Um, he would come up with the best stuff. Uh, he always had an extra interest in me and the rock. Uh, he also, uh, worked with Jericho quite a bit, but Pat was very innovative. He came up with great stuff, great finishes, great false finishes, uh, you know, he was timeless because he came from the seventies and eighties but he still had the mind for it in the nineties, two thousands, 2010s. He was just, uh, he was always, uh, getting better and better with the psychology. And, uh, up until the day he passed away, he was just as sharp as ever. Let's talk about, uh, and again, I don't want you to give me a number, but financially you probably exceeded your goal. I mean, I, I can't imagine that you didn't exceed your, your downside guarantee, but do you remember there being a moment where you were like, holy shit, this is another level from what I was expecting. And did that make, and, and I can't stress enough. The, the challenge of being a WWE superstar is the touring you're away from home all that time. So it had to be quite a family stress too, but you're sort of trading that off for the great income. Yeah. Was it, did it exceed your expectations? Do you remember there being a holy cow moment or was there a time in that first year where you're like, man, I don't know if this is actually worth it. <laughs> you know what? I, I my guarantee was seventy five thousand. So you beat that I quickly. Well, well over that, yeah, yeah. Um, but what I was surprised about, and and I promised Jr. this when I accepted that contract. He said you're going to get seventy five grand a year for five years. I signed the contract. I said don't worry about it because I'm going to make a million in my first year. And he's like, whatever you say. <laughs> so. I did. I did make a million, which I'm really uh, proud of. You should uh, be. I wasn't expecting to make a million dollars my first year in the business, especially not having any kind of merchandise. You know, I wasn't selling merchandise. They weren't hopping off the shelves and people weren't buying it. Kurt Angle stuff because I was a heel. Right. So I, I didn't make a lot on that. I got paid to wrestle and I got paid very well to do it. So, you know, making a million dollars a year without any kind of merchandise uh, that I made, I made, you know, maybe 30 or 40 grand with merchandise. That was about it. But I made a, a, a lot of money wrestling and uh, uh, I did uh, exceed the goal that I told JR I would do. Good for you, man. And, and I assume that a lot of that really started to fall into place for you at SummerSlam, right? Oh yes. Without a doubt. Uh, you know, that, that was my biggest payday. Um, I believe I got, uh, uh, 75,000 for that, which I don't really talk about my numbers much, Sure, but that, that was a big payday for me, especially uh, a non WrestleMania payday. So, you know, very seldom does anybody get $75,000 for a pay-per-view outside of WrestleMania. Uh, Although you can make a lot more at WrestleMania if you're main eventing, but uh, as far as uh, numbers, uh, you know you don't see seventy five thousand that often with other pay per views. No doubt, and it's kind of ironic that that was your downside and you made it for one night. So <laughs> yeah, you. you're right. Crazy, huh? <laughs> uh, Nick has a question for us. He says, "What was the general reaction from the amateur wrestling community during this period 
Was there a sense of apathy, even when you were successful, just due to the nature of pro wrestling? Well, you know, the amateur wrestling community, uh, they did reach out to me and, you know, they said, Hey, we're going to support you whenever you do. But, um, you know, we, we were a little hesitant about you doing this, but the WWE did come out of the closet and say they were sports entertainment. They were no longer sport, real sport. And they said that, that, that makes it easier on us to be able to, uh, let some of our wrestlers, uh, you know, head into pro wrestling. So, um, they understood that WWE, uh, no longer said that they were the real deal, the wrestling, you know, like amateur wrestling. So, uh, it was a lot easier to cross over by that particular time. So Johnson wants to know who are your first and worst potatoes in wrestling? <laughs> uh, first real potato, would have been uh, John Cena, which he never does this. He's always been good with his punches, but he punched me in the mouth one time, knocked my front tooth out. This oh, one. shit. Yeah, completely out, gone. I had to have a surgery and implant. Oh, my gosh. It was crazy. Uh, but the worst potato was definitely the table spot with Triple H. That was, that was yeah. my worst. Going through it, getting a concussion, hitting my head four feet below, that, that had uh, – that was pretty scary. Captain chaos wants to know, was there anyone in the locker room who was openly abrasive to you over your rapid, uh, ascent up the card? Nobody said anything to me uh, if they thought it, I wouldn't know it, but, uh, nobody really told me directly to, you know, I'm pissed off at you because they're pushing you and you don't deserve it. Um, nobody really did that. So I can't really gauge how many people w- would have been jealous or envious or how many people were actually supporting me. Everybody was real supportive in the locker room and I didn't have a problem with anyone. Man, this was such a fun episode uh, to break down. We got so many other questions. Let's see if we can get uh, one more here from Francis Reyes. He says, who was your riding buddy on your rookie year? Uh, and, um, did you learn anything from traveling with them? Well, I learned how to have fun. It was, uh, team wreck. We called ourselves rhino edge, Christian and Kurt. That's fine. Crazy thing is, you know, when I started, I, you know, I, I, I didn't have the painkiller issue back then. So we didn't drink, we didn't take drugs. We, you know, we, we, we went to the shows, went to eat, went to work out, but we had a lot of fun together. We just had all had great chemistry. We all had great personalities and we just had a blast. And, you know, it was, it was a lot of fun traveling with those guys. And, uh, I actually miss it to this day. Uh, they were my best friends, Rhino edge and Christian. We had a blast team wreck. Do you remember there being a time where somebody, maybe one of the old timers or one of the top guys tried to, uh, I don't know, twist your arm to come drink at the hotel bar. Cause it feels like for years and years, that was what a lot of the guys did right at the end of the show or before the show, uh, the, the night before everybody's hanging out at the hotel bar. And sometimes peer pressure is a real thing, especially if they know you don't drink, then it almost becomes a game where they want to try to get you to drink any stuff like that happened in the first year. No. And the reason is because I never went to the hotels. They did. (laughs) I would would go to the shitty hotels that were only $39 a night and nobody, there wasn't a bar there. You didn't have to worry about anybody pressuring you. You just went to sleep. So, uh, I, I didn't have to worry. I wasn't booked at the TV hotel. Uh, 
which is what a lot of the talent do. And that's where they end up drinking. I would book myself at, you know, the, um, um, you know, the days in or the my hotel or days yeah. in. Yeah. 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 So I, I did the simple basic hotel, so I wouldn't have to do that. You talked about money a little earlier, so I can't help but wonder since you had talked about how your family didn't exactly grow up wealthy, you know, you guys were, uh, just normal Americans, like all of us, was there one guilty pleasure where when you, the, the cash starts rolling in, you're like, Hey man, I'm excited to finally be able to buy blank. What was blank? Do you recall? Uh, I bought my mom a car. There you uh, go. You That's know, cool. That was, that was a cool thing. I gave everybody, my family after my WrestleMania payoff, I gave everybody in my family, uh, $10,000. Wow. All my, all my siblings, my five siblings and my mom. So that was 60 grand that I gave out. That was, that was really cool to do that. Cause they all needed the money at the time. Man, that's awesome. It's such a great story. And, uh, I just can't thank you enough for sharing your experience and being so transparent with all of us. We've had a blast here. And by the way, the best way to support the show is to go pick up some chicken snacks, baby, over at physicallyfit.com. Use that promo code AnglePod. You get 20% off. And over at KurtAnglebrand.com, you can get a great deal on all your autographed goods. You're looking for eight by tens or birthday cards or milk cartons or whatever it is. They've got it over at KurtAnglebrand.com. We'll be back next week. We're getting close to WrestleMania season. It's WrestleMania 22 coming up next week, right here on the Kurt Angle Show. I got to tell you, one of my favorite things I do every single day as I go read the reviews for SaveWithConrad.com. Check this one out from Paulo in Riverbank, California. He left us a five star review and he had this to say. Derek and the team were easy to work with and very accessible. The whole process was smooth and relatively fast. I was able to save money and reduce my interest rate by about 1%. No gimmicks. Conrad and his team will drop kick your costs and put you over with more money in your pocket. Head over to savewithconrad.com, brother. I love when people work wrestling lingo into the reviews and even cut a little promo. Thanks for that, Paulo. You put a smile on my face today. And that's what we'd like to do for your family. Put a smile on your face with how much money you can save. You don't need perfect credit or money out of your pocket to do this. And dude, if we can't save you some cash, we won't waste your time. So what are you waiting for? Get yourself a quick quote right now. Interest rates are on the rise and you don't want to miss this. Waiting will only cost you money. Hurry to savewithconrad.com. NMLS number 65084, equal housing lender. And oh yeah, no house payments for two months. Come get you some of that, mean gene. Savewithconrad.com. John brings his skewed sense of humor. Jeff brings tips to cut strokes off your next round. Together, it's those weekend golf guys. They'll pay a lot of money to PXG and Titleist and Callaway and on and on and on. Right? How many yards do you think you're going to pick up with that extra driver? I think I can get an extra 5 to 10. What if I give you 15 to 20? <laughs> you pay me more. Jeff Smith right? teaches on the sliding scale. <laughs> those weekend golf guys, the podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen.